Your service matters. Whether you're in the military or you're a journalist or you're a teacher or a fireman, first responder, it matters when you serve. It's about a purpose-driven life. If people wanted to ask me how my, my child wants to be a catcher, what do I tell them? And I say, catch every ball. And in life, isn't that the way it is? We all show some form of valor. Common people doing uncommon things. Loyalty, duty, honor, respect, selfless service, integrity, personal courage. They laid down everything to go to war for us so we can be free to sit here and talk this podcast. Why? Why did you do it? What impelled you to put aside the instinct for self-preservation and risk your lives? It was faith and belief. It was loyalty and love, clear convictions and beliefs. It's important in a democracy for us to know that freedom isn't free. The Bob Feller Act of Valor Foundation is exactly the right name for that foundation to inform the American public about the ideals and the virtues and the heroism of people like Bob Feller. Bob Feller, he said, my one piece of advice is read our Constitution and run your lives according to the Constitution. We swear an oath to a document that stands for freedom, makes this experiment that we call the United States of America. We are not perfect, but we hold the moral high ground. We are trying to, in the words of our founding document, in order to form a more perfect union. There are going to be some tough calls to make the world safer, better, to represent those values. We can continue to make this world a much, much better place. On this edition of the American Dollar Podcast, a conversation Tyler Buckholtz and Colin Kirk had with Mr. Matt Eisner in April of 2020. In 2013, Eisner became the youngest professional blogger on ML Blogs Network. Mr. Eisner is the youngest guest on the American Valor Podcast, and he shares his thoughts on attending the annual Bob Feller Active Valor Award Foundation ceremonies, his experiences covering baseball at the highest level, and how he thought baseball might handle the health pandemic back at the beginning of COVID-19. Sir Matt, how are you doing? Hi, I'm great. How are you? If you could, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started with Bass Bats. Yeah, sure. So, hi, my name is Matt. Um, I'm 15 years old, and I'm from the D.C. area. And baseball has always been a huge part of my life. In 2009, I went to my first baseball game. It was a Nationals-Mets game. They lost, the Nats lost 7 nothing. I'm a big Nats fan from the D.C. area. And it was a terrible game. But the real you know, way that I fell in love with baseball is when Mets shortstop Jose Reyes, he threw me a baseball. And, you know, from that moment on, I was hooked. And I would, you know, pay attention to the, to the game. And that led up to Mets Bats. Can you tell us how you got started with Matt's Bats? Yeah, it's, it's actually a funny story. Um, so I was in third grade. It was the summer before I went into third grade. And I was um, trying to stay up a little bit later to watch baseball on TV at night. So I talked to my mom and she said that if I wrote a paragraph about what I watched in the game, you know, that night before when I woke up in the morning as a way to keep up my writing during the summer, um, that I could stay up 15 minutes, half an hour later to watch more Nationals baseball on TV. And it sort of blossomed. We started to put it online that summer and um, people started to follow it. And in 2013, as you mentioned, we got contacted by MLB.com and they 
added me to the ML Blogs Network, which uh, made me their youngest professional blogger, which was a super cool achievement for a nine-year-old. And I've, had, I've been able to you know, meet some really cool people, you know, Hall of Famers, baseball players, I, many, many people um, through mattspats.com, and it's been a really cool experience. You figured out how to work with your mom and wrote paragraphs. See, I would just uh, <laughs> sneak to my room with my radio and put it on. You mentioned you had the chance to meet some players. You were at our foundation ceremony. You got to meet Randy Johnson and Ian Kennedy. What did you think of that? Yeah, uh, it was really, really cool. I mean, um, I, most of the Hall of Famers that I've met have actually been at the Active Valor Award ceremony. So Randy Johnson and Tommy Lasorda. I'm trying to think of any of all the other people that I've you know been privileged to meet at the Bob Feller Active Valor Award ceremony, and it's really it's really cool to be able to see and to hear about the things that these players have done for the military. What has been your favorite memory from all the award ceremonies that you have attended? Oh boy, <laughs> um, that is a really really hard question. I remember going to the one I think it was in 2013, and Justin Verlander was there, and. At that time, you know, Justin Verlander was at the peak of his career, coming off a few no-hitters, and he was, you know, he was like an idol to me. And meeting him, I think that was 2013, was really cool. And then maybe it was the year later when Tommy Lasorda was awarded, and that was the first time where I met a Hall of Famer. That was really, really cool. But really every year, just being, you know, at the ceremony and, you know, kind of interacting with all the different you know, you have the, you know, the honorees from the military, the honorees from baseball. And it's really cool that they're just, you know, walking around and you know, they're, everybody's there for the same reason, to honor, you know, the, the achievements of both the baseball players and the people who serve our country. So it was really, it's, it's really cool to attend that ceremony. How did you initially get involved with the Bob Feller Active Valor Foundation? To be honest, I don't really remember. But I remember hearing about it for the first time and I think thinking that it was a really cool opportunity. So I went with my dad and my brother and we, of course, met Justin Verlander. And I don't think, I, I, I think I may have been to every single one of them so far. And I've um, wrote, uh, written a post about it every single time that they happen because it's really, it's really nice. It's the uh, ceremonies around Veterans Day and it's nice to, you know, see the, um, see the achievements of these baseball players so close to the holiday where we, you know, honor our veterans. What are some of the challenges balancing your schoolwork or your job as an MLB blogger? I couldn't even imagine being a, an MLB blogger at 15. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I couldn't so, even imagine getting into that. Yeah. Um, you know, to be honest, it has been hard to keep it up. You know, schoolwork, of, of course, it has to come first. And you know, this, these few weeks have been, you know, a good way for me to try to get back into the swing of things. School is still trying, it's, it's still kind of uh, working out the kinks of remote learning. So I've kind of, I've decided to write about, you know, what I think baseball should do with this whole, uh, with the virus, of course, um, taking over the sports world and trying to raise awareness for different organizations that are doing a really great job, you know, helping people during this crisis. So what are some of your thoughts on what baseball should do with the whole yeah, coronavirus situation? Um, and what, what kind of things have, have you read and looked into? So MLB has submitted a few proposals. And unfortunately, I mean, I, after looking over them and what people are saying, what players are saying, I don't know if these are going to work. They, I think um, today they said that they might do, you know, a modified spring training league where they have the Grapefruit League and the Cactus League and the spring training. 
kind of coming together and being the MLB for this year. But considering that, um, you know, the players would have to be quarantined away from their families, whether they do that or what they were proposing, you know, playing all the games in Arizona, I don't think that it's going to be possible to play an MLB season this year based on the trajectory of how the virus is spreading. Now, that being said, I want baseball to be played. Of course, who doesn't? I think that would be a great way for, you know, everybody to kind of use it as a healing mechanism to try to bring us back together and how we can overcome this virus. And I think that if it's possible to play the games in front of an empty crowd, or if it's possible to play the games in Arizona or Arizona and Florida, then it would be really great for the country to be able to have baseball back. Trevor Bauer said that at the end of the day, he's an entertainer. So if he can help entertain people and mm-hmm. restore some normalcy through baseball, that he'd be all for it. And he thinks a lot right. of players would be. Yeah. And, you know, baseball is America's game. So these last few weeks when we should be in the beginning of the baseball season and, and you know, the weather's getting nicer, it just feels like there's something missing um, aside from all the other craziness that's happening um, um, in the in the world these days, but it just feels like the lack of baseball is really just it's something else compared to all the other things that are happening. If we don't have another season this year, then the Nats are the longest World Series champions. I am one hundred percent fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and I've seen um, you know stories about that. The Astros, you know, general manager, manager, they might, you know, their suspensions might, they might like not have their suspensions for the 2021 season. If there's no baseball play this year, I think that the MLB really needs to extend AJ Hinch and Jeff Lunau's suspensions until 2022. That would be through 2021 because, you know, nobody's playing baseball. But if the Nationals are the longest World Series champions ever, I think that that it would be, I'd be fine with that. (laughs) So you've had the opportunity to kind of get a behind-the-scenes look at some some of the ballparks. Of all the ballparks that you've been able to see, what's been your favorite one? Wow, that is a really hard question. And I think an answer that a lot of people will give you if they've been to a few ballparks, they'll tell you Petco Park in San Diego. And that is one of my favorites. I think that it's just like, it's it's a clean ballpark. It's a newer ballpark, maybe from the early 2000s, I think. But really, it's just like, obviously the nice weather in San Diego and there's good food there and it's just a really enjoyable baseball experience. I also like, um, I think they renamed it T-Mobile Park in Seattle, but I went when it was Safeco Field and I just thought it was a really fun experience to be there. I think they had a lot of good fan interactive um, experiences. Same with Coors Field in Denver. Really what I've noticed that a lot of the ballparks on the West Coast are nicer than the ones on the East Coast, um, which is disappointing considering that um, you know, I'm, I'm a Nats fan living on the East Coast and, you know, traveling to different East Coast ballparks more often. But, um, yeah, so the Petco Park, T-Mobile Park, and um, Coors Field would probably be my favorite three. In, in addition to the variety of experiences you've had with baseball going behind the scenes, you've had a, a lot of different experiences that we read about. You were at the Nickelodeon's Kid Choice Sports mm-hmm. Awards in L.A., and you've been to the White House media area twice. Do any of those experiences stand out above the rest, or are they all the cool experiences that you've got? I mean, being at the White House is an incredible experience. Um, I think that that was probably the coolest thing I've ever done, Um, especially I think in 2015, I was at the Presidential Medal of Freedom um, ceremony when President Obama awarded it to Willie Mays and posthumously to Yogi Berra. 
And just being in that room with all the dignitaries and with all the people who were being awarded was so cool. And being at the Nickelodeon Awards was really cool too. I just think that there's really nothing that can beat visiting the White House. We'll go back to baseball a little bit now. What were you expecting from the Nats this year, and what did you think of their offseason before um, this all happened? I, I thought they did a good job. Um, I really liked the additions of Eric Thames and Sterling Castro. Losing Anthony Rendon was tough, but I believe in Cardo Kibu. I think that I thought that he would be a really good player, um, and he would be able to take those strides and be becoming the third baseman of the future for the Nationals. And I think that they would be in a pretty good position to, you know, make the um, make the playoffs again. Of course, the division is tough. The Mets got better. The Phillies got better. The Braves are really good. Actually, the Braves were probably my pick to win it all this year, uh, which now I'm kind of glad that the, um, the season might not be played because the Braves looked really, really, really good this year. But obviously, the NLE is tough, really tough division. And... Um, I would have really liked to see what would have happened from a baseball standpoint, not from a Nats fan standpoint, maybe. But um, I think that they would have they would have done pretty well. Uh, maybe second place. Yeah, probably wild card. I don't I don't <laughs> know if either of us believe in them to beat out the the Braves, and I think the the NL is just so deep. Yeah, uh, wild card it really would is. still be hard to hard to hunt out. I will say, but you know, you see what happened. You see what happened last year. Anything is possible with yeah, that absolutely. team. They're a special, special bunch. It's the best thing bunch. about baseball is anything can happen. Yep. So back in 2013, we read a the transcript of an interview you had. You said your favorite baseball player was Bryce Harper. Do you want to take that back? And uh, yep. How do you feel about him now? Yes, I will take that back. Um, <laughs> not necessarily because he left the Nationals, more so because I not a big fan of his, um, not a big fan of his play style. I really like somebody like Anthony Rendon, of course, now he's in Los Angeles, but I really like the way that he played. Kind of like Bryce Harper, but I have a soft spot for Juan Soto. He's amazing. He's just like everything that isn't a traditional baseball player. He's, you know, loud and he plays with like a a passion that no other player in, in the major leagues plays with. Um, and then, of course, Steven Strasburg is amazing, World Series MVP. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously biased for um, my team, but there are some very special baseball players on that team um, that won the World Series last year and probably future Hall of Famers, objectively. So I'm really excited to see where they, where they will all go in, in the future. Yeah, I'd say at least uh, Scherzer is a, is a Hall of Famer right now. Strasburg Definitely. probably will be, too. Mm-hmm. And maybe Rendon if he keeps playing the way he has and Trey Turner, yeah. but you know he uh, hasn't gotten a lot of attention um, before last year, and he he was doing what he does best. He he gets hits, he he gets hits, he can field. He's like a a solid third baseman, and the Angels got a really really great person um, that they are now adding to their team, and they're going to be good too. Um, whether that whether they play this year or whether they play next year, they're going to be really good. Um, so I'm excited to see what what comes out of them too. Would you have uh, rather them sign Anthony Rendon or Strasburg? I mean, they they obviously oh, want Strasburg. So that is a very hard question. I think that the Nationals' biggest strength is pitching, and I think that 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 their starting rotation is what won them the World Series last year. Aside from the clutch hits, clutch hits from Howie Kendrick, um, and the you know the the home runs from Soto. 
I really think it was that starting pitching core, and I don't think that the, this team can win without starting pitching. I really think that um, Steven Strasburg was the right person to sign back if they could only do one. Obviously, I would have liked him both, but I think that Strasburg was the better signing for the Nationals. Is there an under-the-radar team that you think has a lot of potential to be able to compete, maybe not this year, but in the coming years? I would say probably the White Sox. Um, you know, they've been kind of at the bottom of the of the MLB for the last few years, but they've done such a good job of cultivating a nice young core. Former national Lucas Giolito, who was traded for Adam Eaton, is a bona fide ace, and they have Luis Robert and uh, Nick Madrigal, and it's in Michael Kopech. It, it, they're just in it. They're going to be in a few years a really scary team, like the Braves are. Last year and this year, they're going to be really, really good. Have you developed any relationships with any of the players? Hmm. Well, a few of them uh, follow me on Twitter and follow and read my blog. In the a while ago, when during the early stages of my website, I you know I got pretty familiar with um, Ian Desmond, who is on Colorado now, um, and Danny Espinosa. I don't know if he's still playing, but he was the Nats' starting second baseman for a while. And I would say that those two are probably the two biggest people who followed me. Hopefully they still read. <laughs> um, but I'm not sure if they, if they still do. And it was really cool for me to be able to interact with those people at such a young age. God, those are some old names. I remember when they were still on the Nationals. <laughs> Matt, it was a pleasure. If you ever need anything, just let us know. It was a blast having you on, and good luck with everything. Thank you. The next conversation on the American Dollar Podcast will feature Mr. John Laney from DODReads.com, speaking about the importance of lifelong learning and the lessons that he's learned from his time in the Navy. Thank you for listening to the American Dollar Podcast. Please like, subscribe, leave a review, and share the podcast with others you think will enjoy. You can engage with the Bob Feller Active Valor Award Foundation online at activevalorward.org or on social media at Active Valor Award on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For Tyler Buckholtz and Colin Kirk, this has been the American Valor Podcast.